Welcome back to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. Gary, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show. I think this is around your fifth time on. How you doing, man? <laughs> I'm doing good, Robbie. It's always good to talk to you. Well, it's always good to talk about the Kennedy assassination. It seems like that's always the conversations we usually get into. Do you have any other hobbies? Uh, yeah, I have lots of hobbies. I play in a band. Um, what kind of music do you play? All kinds of music. Uh, I do. Uh, I collect antique radios. That's interesting. Yeah, uh, they're over there. I can't. <laughs> I don't. I, I can't turn the computer around. But why antique radios? I don't know. I just got into it. Uh, one day I went to the library. This was thirty years ago, and uh, got some old radio shows on tapes. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool to play one through an old radio? You know. And I went to an auction and bought a a radio, an old radio from the 30s or 40s. And I just kind of, then it went, I started finding out more about them. And I uh, I, I went to another auction and, and pretty soon I went to flea markets and pretty soon I went to uh, radio meets in New York and Buffalo. And it just, I thought it was a, it really interesting uh time period in america you know and i i just got into it they're beautiful i wish i could show them to you right now but as soon as you mentioned the old radios i sorry my brain immediately went to oswald didn't he have a radio or something he was working on a radio when i guess when they went through his things he worked in a radio factory yeah in mint in minsk yeah but he didn't i don't think he did the any of the electronic stuff he did like sheet metal work and uh, you know but that's where he was uh, he was working and um it's interesting i have i found some documents that are really about that period in uh that are really interesting uh these are newly released this is uh this document they just they just released like 400 something pages or something on the narrow website right yeah um this is cool because the source for this is are Soviets or Russians. To uh, this is according to a senior staff officer of the Minsk KGB. Now Oswald was had an apartment in Minsk, across from this uh, Minsk CI school. It's a counterintelligence. It was a, a counterintelligence school that was going on, and that they were uh, there were also Cuban involved in this which is interesting. But anyway, according to this document, this guy says that ex-Marine Lee Harvey Oswald uh, was an agent of the KGB uh, before he met, even before he met Marina. And the Minsk uh, Ukrainian KGB had recruited Marina as a swallow. Yeah. A swallow was a female prostitute uh, used for sexual entrapment. I, I asked you that about that in our last conversation. Operation. Yeah, well, uh, this is the first time, though, it's come out from the Soviet side. <clears throat> Before we speculated that she was a fake defector or that she was a sleeper agent coming back. But this verifies that she was, in fact, a prostitute. And that's how she was probably involved with Webster as well as awesome. And that's because before she had relationships with kind of 
profiles that fit Oswald about a, a American citizens or someone that was going yes, to another in, country. in Leningrad. In fact, she was thrown out of Leningrad uh, for prostitution <laughs> uh, because she was involved with foreigners. Whether she was doing it for the KGB or whether she was just a prostitute, I don't know. But uh, she got expelled from um, Leningrad, and that's how she ended up in Minsk with her uncle. And her uncle got her off. She would have had to go on to a labor camp and worked in the in the in the forest or in Siberia or somewhere. But according to this, the, they considered her an agent, but a reluctant one. And that she eventually, when she got to the United States, she completely cut off relations with the KGB. She, she just used it as an excuse to get to America is what happened. But this document is funny because it also says that uh, the only he provided them with information on his past. He knew he was dealing with the KGB, but he re what they considered an agent, it was like a um, um, if 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 a foreigner lived in a city, then the local KGB would try to recruit them. And even if they couldn't, they list them as a recruit or as a agent because it was a prestigious thing to have as many as you you could have. So it, the effect of this of this is that, yes, he talked to them and he probably, uh, as a fake defector, he was told to do that. And then they finally uh, decided that he was not material for, uh, you know, usage as an as an agent and they didn't deal with him anymore after he left the country well that's interesting because we have government documents that talk about oswald might have given nation secrets to the russians and i wonder if they would have came across information that would have said that oswald was a recruiter of the kgb and then they got paranoid like oswald's giving secrets well don't forget this too um after the assassination, the Russians were scared because Oswald was a link to them. He was tied to them and that they were going to get blamed for the assassination. That's why they sent Yuri Nosenko over here. And Nosenko uh, said, I was Oswald's uh, personal handler and we didn't want anything to do with him. He was a wacko and uh, we never used him. It, and it turned out that Yunusenko was a fake agent too. He did he didn't really handle Oswald. They just sent him here to cover their rear end. And of course, the CIA fought over that. Uh, Angleton didn't believe him, and uh, the FBI did. The FBI had uh, their own agent that was telling them he was right, and that guy ended up becoming later on recognized as a false. A false agent. So actually, that cost Angleton. That was the end of Angleton. Uh, that destroyed his kind of destroyed his career. Was all the he put Nisenko in in uh, in like a prison uh, for three two years or something and tortured him <laughs> because he didn't believe him and he wouldn't break. So that cost Angleton his his job basically. But, but what's happening here is the Soviets are trying to protect themselves, too. Now, I think Oswald was sent there to give information, you know, but 
they knew what he was giving them or you know it wasn't like he was really giving secrets to the soviets but it's also crazy to think that they wouldn't be interested in a u2 a guy that worked in the u2 program and and the same thing with with webster webster was with rand corporation and rand development and uh they were very interested in plastics and they set him up in uh, a lab uh, in uh, Leningrad in polymer plastics to uh, to give them what information he had from Amer from the American company. So they were very similar. They were interested in those two areas and these guys defect over there, which is crazy because, hey, the Russians need this. Let's send them these guys. You know, this this is stuff they're interested in. And that they're they're going to was Oswald and Webster both in the military and both plucked out for the defector program. Um, they were both in the military. Oswald was plucked out during his time in the military, but Webster had left the Navy. He was in the Navy, and he got a job with Rand Development, which is a CIA affiliated organization. And they sent him to Moscow for a trade exhibition. And with uh, they were uh, setting up a kitchen that, to show the Russians our modern America was. So we had this, this uh, he was in charge of bathtubs and stuff made out of fiberglass. And so he went there three times he, in, in uh, 1959. And the first or second time he met a Russian woman uh, who was working, so, whose CIA suspected she was working for the KGB. She was separated from her husband and she was working in a gift shop it, where he was in Moscow. And they became involved and had an racial relationship. Now, Webster was married at home. He had two children and a wife at home in, uh, in Zelianople, Pennsylvania. But they were living in Cleveland at the time because he ran, transferred him to Cleveland. And the third, so he went over the third time and he decided to stay. Now, how much Rand was behind that, I don't know. But two people, uh, George Rand and uh, George Bookbinder, both OSS, former OSS officers, went with him. They were always with him when he went to, to the Soviet Union. But he decided to defect and gave up his citizenship. And he actually got Soviet citizenship. And they sent him to Leningrad to work. Uh, and he, Vera went with him and she got pregnant. And uh, then his father supposedly called, sent him a letter and said his mother had had a nervous breakdown and blah, blah, blah. And so he decided to return to the United States. And uh, so then he abandoned Vera and her daughter, who was just a baby, and uh, went back to the United States. And his wife had divorced him by then. And so he he basically was abandoned by this uh, intelligence. And he be became... Uh, alcoholic and he transferred from one job to another he remarried in 67 and i have met i got to know his, his son 
from his second marriage. And he gave me a lot of documents and pictures. And you know, I know more about him than, 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 than his father than he does. But uh, he's been real help. And he still lives in Massachusetts. But finally, he uh, Webster had a stroke and died in 1970. Uh, no, 1990. How about to say 1970 wasn't that long? Nine, 1999. He was 70, 71. So, there, but the interesting thing about Webster is that Marina Oswald told her friends, in one of her friends in uh, Texas, Katya Ford, who was one of the ex Russian exiles, that she met her husband at the Moscow Trade ex Exhibition at Oswald. But Oswald wasn't, wasn't there, it was Webster. <laughs> so right away, she's got them mixed up. And then in her address book, the CIA found the address of Webster's apartments in Leningrad. So she had visited those apartments regularly. And so she gave stories as to why she went there. She went there to see some guy named Lev Presentsev. And uh, so the CIA did a a trace on Presentsev, and there was no such person. But Webster had did live in that apartment building. And then she said he was uh, her girlfriend. Uh, this guy was in love with her girlfriend who was married. And she made up all kinds of stuff. And another time she said it was a guy who that she met at a rest home. He was an older guy. Purposely doing that? Or is that just accidental memory slip? I don't know what to make of Marina. I really don't. Um, she changes her stories all the time. Even the Warren Commission said they, they couldn't trust anything she said. I don't know what her motivations were, but I found out a lot of stuff on these new documents. It appears to me, and, and I read the, the book written by Oswald's friend in Russia who knew them well and was there when it when they met. And I came to the conclusion that the, the meeting wasn't accidental. Oswald was set up to meet her at that trade ex at that uh, uh, at that dance, union dance, trade union dance. Uh, there was a guy named uh, Marizenza who was introduced them. Well, his mother was a Soviet uh, scientist who was very high up. She was close to Khrushchev. She knew them all. She she was a communist party uh, uh, supporter, important, important person okay. you know, in the communist party. And she was giving a talk at that uh, trade union dance. You, you didn't go to the dance just to dance. First, you had to get uh, a speech, you know, from a, 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 someone from the communist party. Well, she was giving a talk that night, and Oswald went to the talk. Her son was running a projector in the uh, orchestra pit. Now, uh, the, the one story is that Oswald accidentally met Marizensen and helped him run the projector. But what Oswald's buddy said was that 
They, he, they had known each other before that night, and he had invited him there to come and uh, help run the projector. And then this guy and two or three of his friends were hanging around uh, Marina all night, dancing with her. And, 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 and Oswald was introduced to her through them. And they were like protecting her so no one else would dance with her except Oswald. <laughs> so I think the whole thing was set up and she was in on it and they ran on it. And it was uh, a method to get her attached to him to send her back so that they would have a spot. So, but then what else is interesting? Supposedly Oswald went to this woman's house, the, the scientist, his mother. <laughs> Uh, the uh, the night of, after or the night of the dance, I don't know which, but he went to this party. Now, this woman is very high up in the Communist Party. Uh, she's a scientist that deals in secret projects, and they would let her have an American who could be a spy come to her house and you know hang out and talk to her. And she spent a lot of time talking to him. None of that makes too much sense, but. All this stuff is really interesting because it's finally coming out from that side, from the Soviet side, what was going on. What's more interesting to you that the fact that the Russia kept documents on the Kennedy assassination, it's taken all this time for us to be able to get them or the fact that it's actually I mean, is it to me, it, it, the whole Russian thing, like I think Marina just used Oswald as a way to get to the U.S., and then once she got here, she was obviously stuck. She didn't know anybody, so she stayed with them, had kids and all that type of stuff. But the relationship, like dancing and all that, just doesn't sound like Oswald to me when you hear about the accounts of like they beat each other when they were back here in the States, unless something shifted in the mood or – Don't get it wrong. Oswald loved her, and I think she loved him in her own way. She was promiscuous, and she flirted a lot, but I think they loved each other, and that was – something that I don't think the Soviets thought would happen or counted on. I think that just was a, you know, we'll give him, get her to marry him and send her to the United States and she can dump him. Uh, but I don't think it was like that. I think, first of all, Marino just wanted to get to the United States. She didn't want to be a sleeper agent. And second of all, she did lo love Oswald, I think. They fought all the time, yeah. And she was, you know, everybody... Um, blames it on Oswald, but it, it, as much as I dug into Marina, I think she'd be impossible to live with. I mean, it, she deserved what she got, as far as I'm concerned. She was constantly belittling him and, you know, uh, wanting things he couldn't afford, and he wasn't interested in money, and she was in with that Russian community, and that's another thing I'm going to get into more later on. I'm going to start researching there's a lot to be involved with that Russian exile community in Dallas. They were uh, right-wing oil people, and they were very anti-communist, and they were involved with intelligence agencies. And I think they play a big role in uh, Oswald's uh, babysitting when he was here. They took care of Marino so that he could run him up with and do things. And Ruth Bain was tied to it. DeMorne Schilt was part of it. And everywhere you go, there's the names of these people uh, pop up with, with other uh, people in the, in the assassination program. So 
that's going to be my next area of research. I'm going to get into that some more. But this is really interesting, this Russian stuff, because it's not something that we're being told by us, by the government. In other words, uh, FBI or the CIA isn't telling us, oh, well, when he was over there, this is what happened. It's their version. And and you can't accept it with uh, 100% of uh, truth, too, because they have motives to protect themselves. But it gives you an insight into what was going on while he was there. They were spying on him. They had his, his apartment bugged, and they, they had people following him. Can you explain some of the spying tactics that were on him in Russia? Because like, I know some of the stuff about surveilling his mail over here, and I'm sure there's other spy tactics that they were using, but it just doesn't make sense to me about how Robert Webster gets his U.S. or gets his Russian citizenship, but Oswald doesn't. Well, if you want it in a simple, they thought that Webster was real, defective, because he was in love with this girl, and he offered them secrets and plastics, and they knew. I think they knew that Oswald was not a real defector. I think they suspected him of being, a, you know, a double agent. So they didn't give him citizenship. And uh, Webster only had his citizenship. You know, he he can't come back to the United States on the Russian quota. And then it took him a year or two more to. He had to reapply for American citizenship, and he finally got it uh, in the sixties later 60s, but um, I think they they really thought that Webster, and Webster, I think, thought he was. He was being used and manipulated by Rand and by Air Force Intelligence over there. He was part of a program called Longstride, which I still, it's still vague what it was. And uh, it involved uh, personnel records of military people behind the Soviet lines and all this stuff. But what really, <laughs> what really got me was I discovered that Ruth Payne's sister, Sylvia Hyde Hoke, worked in personnel for the Air Force Intelligence. <laughs> so think about it. <laughs> is that a coincidence? I mean, Air Force Intelligence is uh, handling Webster through a program called Longstride, and she's involved in it. It can't be a coincidence, you know. And then you got to consider that uh, Marina was writing letters, or not Marina, uh, Ruth Payne was writing letters to pen pals in the Soviet Union in the 50s uh, as part of a program to improve relationships between us and the the Russian ship. So she had a pen pal over there. She had a pen pal named Ella. Oswalds was in love with a woman named Ella German, who worked at the radio factory. That he, in fact, he proposed to her, and she turned him down. And Marina was on the rebound. That's why he he took Marina out and and asked her to marry him everything because he wanted to hurt Ella originally. Then he fell in love with Marina later on. But so you see this tie between uh, Ruth Payne, her sister, uh, and possibly defectors in the Soviet Union. Were the defectors able to communicate back through pen pal people 
that were relationships of pen pals to people like Ruth Payne, who appear, appear to the Soviets as just an ordinary citizen who's writing to a, 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 a Russian citizen. Now, is it just defectors, or do we got KGB agents that are working for U.S. government? No, that could be, too. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a wilderness of mirrors because CIA and FBI are trying to fake each other out all the time. And you can't – I mean, nothing is uh, – written in stone. I mean, it's anything could be a lie. They lie to each other. They lie to themselves. And now some interesting things. I don't know if you're aware of this. Um, John Newman has a new book out. He's, he's done, he has supposedly found Popov's mole in the Soviet Union, in the, in the, in the CIA. And he says that it was, um, <laughs> What's his name? I can't. I, I'm going blank here. Um, it'll come to me in a minute. And he said that this mole was in the security division, and he was Angleton's close friend. And Angleton believed everything he said, and he was. It was him that was responsible for the mole hunt, not Angleton. In other words, he through Angleton did the mole hunt because this guy who was the mole sent a, a fake mole defector, a fake mole uh, hunter to the Soviet Union because he knew he was the mole. And he sent a guy to, he sent Oswald to Russia to hunt for this mole. And they kept the uh, Russian division of the Soviet, of the CIA out of it. They didn't send them any information because Angleton thought that's where the mole was in, in the Russian division. And so that was why the false mole hunt where he uh, sent little tidbits like Oswald's height or weight or when his mother was born that would come back to the Soviet Russia division. And if one of them uh, found, you know, started writing that stuff or, or telling that stuff, they knew that that was the mole because it was uh, a fake, uh, it was uh, false card information. So... I mean, that just complicates everything more. So here you've got, uh, I got to think of his name. It's coming. Do you trust Oswald's friend in Russia, the one that wrote a book about him and everything? I do. I do. I like him. Um, he comes across as a genuine, uh, I mean, he's a Soviet patriot. And he says, you know, it was our duty to watch. He was watching him too. It was our, our duty, patriotic duty to do this. They didn't see anything wrong with it. But he same by the same token, he liked Oswald. And they they talked and probably more than I think Oswald talked to anybody. Uh he uh, he talked to uh Titovitz is his name, Ernest Titovitz. He talked to him about personal things, which he didn't do with, even with Marina, he didn't hardly uh, do that. She didn't know he had a brother and a, a mother alive until after they were back in the United States. I mean, he, he was an excellent secret keeper. He he didn't tell anybody anything, and that's why they used him. They, they knew he was good at that. And another thing that just came out in these documents, which is astounding, you're aware of the core uh, Congress and racial equality when uh, 
okay, well, Hoover had this uh, thing called COINTELPRO. Yeah, I know about that. Counterintelligence. Well, they were investigating groups like Black Corps, Panther Party, KKK. The Black that. Panther Party, the core, FBCC, and all that stuff. In fact, when Oswald went to Clinton with uh, Ferry and uh, Ban uh, with Ferry and uh, Shaw, and you're aware of that. And he went and got in line with the blacks for voter registration. In Clinton, I've Louisiana. heard about it, but I've never got into detail on it. Well, that was the big thing with uh, uh, the garrison investigation. He had all these people in Clinton that saw them together and saw Oswald in that line. And I mean, this is this is proof that Oswald was involved with with Sean Ferry. And it's it. Well, it would make sense about when he got arrested. What the guy said in an interview was that when he arrested Oswald or tried to arrest Oswald in the theater, Oswald stood up and said, this is exactly what you're doing to the blacks. That's exactly word for word what was said in that interview. That would line up with that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's it's a wilderness of mirrors. But here's what's new. Um, Jefferson Morley has discovered uh, that... Angleton, not Hoover, was one of the main movers in COINTELPRO. The CIA and the FBI did it together. Yeah, that's new. And, and wow, that opens doors to understanding COINTELPRO, that Angleton was in. He's got his fingers in everything, and you don't know it. It's behind the scenes. It's under the blanket. And you, you, you dig down into any part of this. And you, at the bottom, you'll find Angleton. You'll find his name. You'll find his. I don't. I don't think that's right, though. I just don't. It's never just one so simple as it all tracks back to this. I just. I feel like there's a little bit more than that, or maybe they're setting up Angleton. Oh, I'm not saying that Angleton's solely responsible for the assassination. But I'm saying is that he is a prime mover in many areas of this, and and particularly Oswald, Angleton was handling Oswald even before he went to Russia. He had files on Oswald when nobody did, and he didn't share them with anyone else in the CIA. They had double, they had two sets of files. One they shared and one they didn't. And that was all Angleton. And Angleton's the one that sent him there to, to the Soviet Union. So to understand the whole thing, you have to know that, that, uh, that Angleton was a mover behind the scene, especially of Oswald. Do you think he's in charge of the whole Mexico City thing? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. I'm convinced that Mexico City was an all an Angleton maneuver to fake out everybody. Uh especially see after here, here's the thing. Oswald is not only the perfect Patsy, he's the perfect uh way to get everybody to shut up and keep their mouth shut because he the cia when his name came up they panicked because they knew he was involved in these programs and that it, how bad it would look for them and it was it was uh it was angleton that set that all up with mexico city so when they when the crap hit the fan they fbi cia and everybody had to go protect themselves. And so that made sure that the cover-up was going to work, that the Warren Commission would be formed to cover it up. 
not because um, they thought Oswald did it or or that the Soviets didn't do it, just to protect themselves. There's a there's a new I guess rumor, not rumor, but it's kind of what we've all been saying for a while, which was that it had to be Oswald because we didn't want to go to war with Russia and all this type of stuff. I had saw someone recently bring that back up again in the discussion of that getting brought up again. Also with some new document releases, the one that just happened, they were questioning things like Northwoods and they were questioning things like um, the defector program saying that those weren't real, which we have documents on, which is nuts, but it's kind of countering. They're trying to counter the new document releases. So there's like nothing new, but do you think a lot of this could be to protect that? Like it had to be Oswald to protect all the issues that are going on in Mexico city, which was this place where spies meet. There's a lot of intelligence activity in Mexico city. There's even propaganda films back in like the forties that nobody really remembers forties and fifties. And we know now through COINTELPRO and other programs that just happening domestically of groups being infiltrated, but also the involvement of the FBI in Latin America and many other countries out there. So I just start questioning, like, is a lot of this to protect some of their sensitive intelligence operations that might not have anything to do with Oswald? But it's like when I brought up with Blakey about um, Amwave, about some of those documents being Amwave related. You could have Oswald's name at the bottom, but then just you don't have to release it because it could be classified because it has Amwave stuff all over it. And we saw in the most recent release, the one that was over like something thousand documents, in December, that a lot of those were Amwave stuff. So I'm like, they're protecting all their intelligence operations that have nothing to do with the Kennedy stuff, but they're, they're just so infiltrated where Oswald might have accidentally made a connection, might have started something or set up something, not him personally, but met with someone who might be doing activity down there that was another intelligence asset. You hit the nail on the head. I mean, that's exactly what happened. That whole business of that guy impersonating Oswald was part of some program that the CIA thought was very sensitive. And when Oswald went down there, and Angleton knew that, (laughs) he knew that. And so Oswald's Mexico City journey thing was set up. To, to do that, to scare them because this was a top secret thing and they didn't want the Warren Commission or anybody else digging into this. And if you uh, talk, if you did, you had Blakey on, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Blakey said the one area that he couldn't get the CIA to cooperate in any way was Mexico City. It was the most sensitive aspect of his investigation and they would not cooperate they were covering something up in mexico city and it may have been uh their dealings with the mexican police or uh and i think traficante and them were involved in mexico city somehow with uh with the with the uh mexican police so there was something going on there that they they were afraid was going to come out if they investigated oswald's visit do you think the House Select Committee on Assassinations was compromised? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. I've seen a and now people even, go I down think Blakey into Mexico does. City. Yeah, Don't Bla- you think Blakey? Blakey thinks that the do- the CIA withheld documents from him now. He believes that they didn't give him a full right to do an investigation. But I think a lot of these guys are much like some of these agents that we that you look at. Like, were they a hundred percent knowing of what was going on? No, but they were 
doing something without knowing, you know, I've noticed, I think Ruth Payne was in the same boat that she was not a hundred percent in on every single thing that was going on. I think it was, if you need to know, you know, but if you don't, you know, kind of mindless helping in a sense, I forgot yeah, what the that may, term that may be, but I don't trust Ruth Payne two feet. I mean, I don't, I don't trust a lot of like Ruth Payne stuff. I don't, trust she's a liar for one thing. She's, and she's, uh, She's manipulative and she's sneaky. And uh, I mean, I just, I think there's a lot of cover your ass stuff that's going on here. And I think it's because you find out after the fact, but that there's a real thing where you start asking serious questions. And it's like the HSCA investigation, as much as they were able to prove a probable conspiracy. I also think that a lot of these people work for the government. It's a committee that was created by the government. I was like, if they can just come over and tell you, we have a sensitive operation. I mean, look at the whole church committee report i mean even that's a bit of a whitewash when you get down to the basis that nobody paid the price for any of the actions that were done on it so the hsca's investigation there's a couple people i think i don't remember who the names were that went down to mexico city but we have those documents but it doesn't seem like a lot of information for as much as we probably know what was going on in mexico city you have to realize too this let me look at it this way okay you're on the uh you're on the government probe like the House assassinations. Are you going to come out and say that the Warren Commission was totally wrong, that the government had been lying to the people all this time, even if you found that out? <laughs> I mean, you, you see what I'm going? But we have the documents now to show that they knew about Oswald. We have those documents now that say that they, they the 201 file, the agencies in the beginning of the first release of some of these documents stated that they had no connection with Oswald. And we know now after all these years that they had a connection with Oswald. They had files on him. They were keeping tabs on him and they knew about him. So when it comes to that and even destruction of the prior assassination of plots on Kennedy that were destroyed by the Secret Service after uh, John Thunheim requested for those. So – we they're making themselves look really bad by doing all of this. Now, if it's to cover up an intelligence operation, whether Oswald had involvement in that intelligence operation, I would just wonder how deep does it go? Does it get to the point where you have someone that I don't I wouldn't say I mean, looks like Oswald going around using his name? Well, how many people? Because I'm seeing various statements now of somebody using Oswald's name, a person from a U.S. select service system thing that's in the Warren Commission report. I talked about a Harvey Oswald sat in front of them. And it did not match the person that was on the TV that was alleged for killing the president. You're right. Um, there's a lot of false information, too. But the, there's another book out that's really interesting. It, uh, it, it's about the Scorzani papers. Okay. Uh, you know, Otto Scorzani was. You don't. Okay. <laughs> Otto Scorzani was um, an SS commando for Hitler. He was the most famous uh, commando in the world. He flew a raid into Italy and rescued Mussolini from a mountain fortress with gliders. Uh, after the war, he became an intelligent uh, contact for kind of like paperclip, but he he did it. Uh, on his own, pretty much. And he was going to start a Fourth Reich in Spain or whatever. But he was constantly being used by not only American intelligence, but British and other people because he was this expert in uh, 
uh, all kinds of things, including assassination. And Scorzani was part of the biggest gun running uh, organization in the world. And they were running guns to, and, to, and they were training people. And the French assassins were working for him at the, and in camps in Spain, training commandos. So anyway, the Scorzani's papers were bought by this researcher after he died and he wrote a book on it. And there's a lot of interesting stuff in it. And, but the main one for me is, do you know who Thomas Eli Davis is? I've heard the name before. Yeah. Well, all right. Uh, when Jack Ruby went to trial, his lawyer asked him, is there anything that we need to know that could hurt us in trial? You know, is there anything? And he said, Thomas Eli Davis. Well, Thomas Eli Davis and Ruby ran guns to Cuba. He was a gun runner and a mercenary, and he worked at the training camps in Pontchartrain and all this stuff. And he used Oswald's name a lot. <laughs> he was arrested on the day of the assassination in Algiers. And they found a, 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 note, a letter on him referring to Oswald and uh, JFK. And it was QJ Wynn that got him out of jail. QJ Wynn was CIA head of uh, assassination projects. He was a, a, a foreign uh, diplomat who recruited Corsican assassins. And he's, you know, we didn't know his name till recently. He's a top secret guy. So this Thomas Eli Davis is a whole another area to research right now. And he was a gun runner and he was associated with Ruby and he's using Oswald's name. So apparently he knew Oswald as well. <clears throat> and he's running guns with, he's running guns with Scorzani. So you, it, <laughs> this thing is so deep and so uh, complicated that. Do you believe that, that it's this deep though? Do you think that it's just a lot of this could be just maybe some going down the wrong roads on some things? Oh, like of course. Okay. I, I think I think a lot of it's disinformation. A lot of the books that come out are are sponsored by, you know, American intelligence to to send researchers on the wrong path. You know, the guy in the uh, the recent interview with the guy who said knew Oswald that was completely opposite than the one in Russia. Do you, I don't remember what his name is. Do you remember what his name is? It was just recently just happened. He came out talking about in an interview. About the guy Oswald. in Russia, Peter no, Gregory. Not, not Peter Gregory is the American one, right? No, he's Russian. He's Russian? Yeah. Someone just made a statement recently about knowing Oswald, and everyone was saying that he's lying or something like that. Well, the only one I can think of is Gregory. His father uh, was the first uh, Russian uh, immigrant that dealt with Marina and Lee and got introduced them to the uh, Russian community. He... Uh, <laughs> what's what's amazing about this this guy teaches um, uh, he teaches in a in a college and he teaches english i think and he wants marina to teach him english and same thing with ruth payne she's an she's a russian teacher but you mean he, he wants I mean, i'm sorry i'm sorry he wanted to teach him russian he teaches in a russian university wants, i was like fuck find somebody better <laughs> he wants her to to well maybe no she wanted he wanted her 
to teach his son. And his son already knew Russian. And Ruth Payne was a Russian teacher at a school, and she wants Marina to teach her Russian. So, you know, I mean, this is like a ruse. Uh, yeah, we're going to get a, a local girl to teach. Well, the, anyway, they were in Texas, and he was the one that uh, had a lot to do with this. Well, his son wrote this book because he did know the Oswalds. He drove them around. And here's here's what gets you about the book. He attributes everything to his father. He says his father's the one that was Mar uh, Marina's translator. He said that her father uh, was the one that uh, got him the job at Jagger's Childs and Stovall. The truth is, it was DeMorenshoek that got him the job at Jagger's Childs and Stovall. And it was uh, a guy named uh, Momontov who was the... So those are those are wrong. Those are lies. And here he's written this book. And in the book, he never mentions George DeMoran show once. <laughs> and he only mentions Ruth Payne in passing as a lady that was kind to Marina. <laughs> the whole book's about him and his father and, and how they were, you know, and how Oswald was uh, uh, as likely the assassin. He, he beat Marina and he would do this. And uh, so it's a really one-sided book. I thought of the guy's name, Popoff's Mower, mm -hmm. Bruce Soley. I don't, I've never heard of that. He was before. head of the uh, security division of the CIA, and he was Angleton's close friend. So you got to think that Angleton, no wonder he was paranoid, paranoiac. He was, uh, his best friend was Kim Philby. Kim Philby ended up being a Russian spy. Uh, his best friend solely solely ends up being a Russian spy, and then Popov. <laughs> I mean, it, it, for, for a counterintelligence agents, he was who was always looking for moles. He he, his best friends were the people he was looking for. I mean, and he he, he didn't know it. <laughs> so he either wasn't that good, or he was looking in all the wrong wrong spots. Oh, yeah, well, some people think he was a mole. Angleton himself, and that this whole mole hunt was a ruse to take attention away from himself. Who has the power to be able to, to write visas for people? Yeah. What's that again? I'm sorry. Who has the power to be able to rush a visa or write a visa or get a file through? That's politics. I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, all that you need is somebody Somehow you have Oswald traveling all these places and you somehow... Yeah. You know, I don't know how that where that disappears to. Why can't you get certain flight logs of things as well? Either when people try and request them for the Freedom of Information Act, I mean that would really help narrow down some times as well too. But there's a lot of information which doesn't seem like it would be important to anything that we're still not getting out of some of these files. I mean, trying to clear up who Oswald is, you can pick anything. He could be Russian, he could be Cuban, he could be anything because they've gave you so much stuff where it's like. What can you sort through? And this is where I start pointing towards the investigations into some of this stuff. If you're running off that information, I need to know if I can trust that investigation. And right now, it seems like I really can't trust any of these investigations by the HSCA, by the Warren Commission, by anything of this, because everyone's trying to pitch a different story and tell you, actually, that information was wrong. Here's the real information. I'm like, and even the ARRB, I mean, their whole job was to get those files and they're done and they still we still don't have files. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The thing, the thing about it is, it's like I said, there, 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 
it would kill the country. It would hurt the country so much that they're not going to say, oh, we, you know, it, everything that they told you was a lie. The, the uh, House Assassinations Committee, event, originally they had a guy named Richard Sprague who was head of, going to be head of it. And he was going to pull up uh, trucks to the CIA and FBI and take all the documents. <laughs> he said that to the press. He was going to get everything from them and there was going to be no immunity. And he was going to, and, and within a week, he's out of the, they got rid of him and they put Blakey in. And Blakey was a CIA guy. He was, he believed them. He trusted them. He, and that was the whole downfall of the, of the, uh, of the, of that, because they would, they would lie to him. Or they wouldn't give them documents, or they wouldn't cooperate with them, or they'd give them fake documents. Or they had an agent that infiltrated the uh, HSCA and broke into their safe and went through autopsy photos without a glove and started reading a diary. And I asked him about that. He said, yeah, they handled it. They fired him. I go, but you never figured out why, how he got the safe codes? Those are supposed to be your codes, your team's codes. So that means someone on the inside was feeding some information to you. If he's just a janitor, turns out to be a CIA guy. Yeah. And they broke into... Uh, Otto Atepka's safe to get files on Oswald. He worked for the State Department, and he thought that Oswald was looked funny as a defector. That he was, uh, and he was raising questions. And they broke in and stole his files. They only stole the ones on Oswald, and that was it. So when Webster returns, he was the one that got all the press, right? And Oswald didn't. Yes, yes. Um, he, I. <clears throat> have all, all of his press releases. There was a lot written about him. When he came back to Pittsburgh and landed, there were like 200 people there, press, media. When Oswald landed and came in on the boat to uh, Hoboken, there was nobody. Now, here's a guy that defected the Soviet Union, offered to give secrets, and the media is not even there To when he comes back home. And the only one that was there was Spaz T. Reckon, who was head of the Travelers Aid Society, but was also working for the CIA. <laughs> he, he's there to meet Oswald and debrief him or whatever, or take him to New York to get a hotel room. But nobody's interested in. Now that's to me that's that says volumes that they didn't debrief him, that they weren't interested in him, that the Congress didn't investigate him. He goes to Russia. He openly says, "I'm going to give secrets to the Russians," and nobody cares when he comes back. They ignore. Him. Webster goes over and do you wait um do you think that's a thing with the press? Do you think that somehow the media and the government or something they might have sent a message to him like don't popularize this story? It's part of um Mockingbird. Okay. Uh they tell the press, you know, they give them stories and they tell them you, you can print this and don't, you know, they give them a version of it and that's it. So they they were apparently told not to. I mean, they kept it a secret or something. I mean, no one knew he was either either no one knew he was landing there, or uh, I mean, even if that was the case, when he gets back to Texas, you think there'd be reporters beating down his door, wanting to talk to him. You know, what what, what was it like in Russia? Did you give any secrets? Did, did but nobody's interested in this guy, and that completely tells you that he's working for us. Because if it was real, I mean, in Webster, he got he had to go before Congress. And and then they sent him, they had several 
debriefings and interrogations and and threatened them and everything, you know. And he, he went through hell when he came back. And he didn't give secrets to the Russians. And he didn't he didn't openly say I'm a I'm a Marxist or I'm a communist uh, like Oswald did. And he 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 was treated as a real defector when he came back. Where Oswald wasn't. Whose activity was the most suspicious in Russia between um, Webster and Oswald? Oh, I think Oswald. Webster's wasn't really that suspicious. He he was so involved with that woman, and he and he was working in plastics. You could see his view. You know his his home life. His wife was diabetic, and she they were in debt. Uh, she had constant medical bills. And it it was getting to be a strain on him. And he meets a girl in Russia. And in Russia, he's an expert on plastics, which in the United States, he's just another plastics worker. And he gets a chance to maybe be a, a, a leading figure if he goes to Leningrad and works in this laboratory and develops uh, develops uh, things they did like glass bubbles for airplanes and he had this uh, ran spray gun with something they wanted real bad and he was going to give it to them but then they they didn't have the parts they didn't have the money to pay for it and he ended up couldn't he couldn't make it in Russia because they didn't have the materials shortages of everything and so after a while he realized that he made a mistake and his mother was sick, and uh, he went back to the United States. But if if you look at my book uh, in the back, I have all the places that this guy worked in his life, and it fills volumes. He worked two weeks here, three weeks there, a month here, uh, one job to another. Uh, just incredible. <laughs> to support himself and barely, you know, support the family, all kinds of different jobs that he had. And his son talked about his alcoholism and, you know, what, what a problem it was. But what really uh, interested me, too, was here's a guy who was tied to Oswald and Marina. And he, he said he, they, he indicated that he did know Marina. He uh, and he never talked about this. And this is a guy who his son portrayed as a narcissistic um, drunk who would go to bars and talk about, build himself up and, you know, egomaniac type thing. And yet I found, I talked to two or three people that worked with him. I talked to his sons. Um, I tried to talk to his mother, but she was like Alzheimer's, she couldn't remember. She didn't even remember where she met him. And she died recently. And I asked his son, didn't he ever talk about this, about Russia or about Oswald? No, never. One time he sat them down and he told them that he had, uh, he had lived in Russia and that he had a, a, a girl uh, I don't know if he told them he was, it was his wife or what, and they had a child there, and that was it. 
so here's a guy that's a narcissistic. Uh, you think he'd be bragging to everybody that you could write a book? Hey, I knew Oswald. I knew Marie. I dated Marina. <laughs> uh, nothing. So that tells me that he was part of maybe MK Ultra or something where they got inside his head and he could not talk about stuff like Oswald didn't talk about stuff. So, or he just feared for his life or his family if he started talking about stuff. Yeah. And by the way, I found his daughter in Russia, um, Svetlana. Uh, she was a baby when he left Russia. You're better than Ancestry.com on tracking these people. I, I tracked her down. She lives in Moscow. I have her picture on my website. Um, and I called her. She would not talk to me. And I had Scott, her, her half-brother, call her. She would not talk to him. And she, I said, aren't you interested in your father? And I sent her a picture of the book. I said, I'll send you a copy of the book, and you can read about your father. And I had a feeling that she's afraid that she's, I guess if you live in Russia, you're afraid that people are listening on the phone, people are bugging your mail, uh, and that she'd get in trouble somehow. But I, I couldn't get to her. And I talked to Bill Simpich about it. And he thought maybe they could get like Judge, uh, what's his name? Judge Tynum, Turnheim. Judge Tunheim. Turnheim. Judge Turnheim to write Turnheim. her a letter and saying, this is legitimate. You know, this isn't, a, you know, a trick, uh, whatever, to uh, talk to us. But I'd like to talk to her. And she teaches English. <laughs> uh, to uh, She's a kind of a freelance teacher of English language, language, which is a bit interesting. And so I could talk to her in English. But uh, I don't know what happened. I'd like to know more about her mother and, you know, what happened after her father left she never married and uh, she's kind of frumpy looking you know. <laughs> blonde hair webster had blonde hair but uh, that that was amazing <laughs> i never thought i'd find her she's like 60 60 something it's she was born in 1960 it's difficult for me because there's an there's a number of people that have died taking secrets to the grave. Yeah. And it's like what we could have known. Like I, I give a lot of crap sometimes and it's not wrongfully so, but I mean, I would consider right in my regard to a lot of sites that put up paywalls for stuff, especially documents and stuff really kind of upsets me. And I know people put hard work and I understand you should be compensated for that hundred percent. But besides me reaching out to you guys to be able to try and sort this giant puzzle piece together a little bit, just for my own basic sanity on trying to understand the assassination, which is, I mean, it's a counterintuitive thing right there. You really talk about trying to find sanity in the assassination aspect of things, but Everything has been like documents where I have to go and try and find something and everything comes up paywall, 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 paywall. And it's just like, well, how do you get the information out there? So then you're looking at the National Archives, the documents that we do have. They just paint such a different picture, but then it leads to interviews or it leads to talking to people who've done independent research. And I've seen through your book, you have plenty of documentation to back up some of the stuff that you write about as well, too. But it, there's it's so there's so much evidence or there's just so much to it. I, the only thing I can find common ground with is I can just point to 
here's the investigation and here's what they did. And that's not right in anything, whether it's us, you know, being able to talk about like, the, I guess the changing of documentation that came out later to prove the official story wrong, the HSC's and HSC, HSCA's investigation and how it had so many flaws to it as well too, but was still able to prove the Warren commission flaws. You're showing later investigations that prove the original one wrong. On that basis, you kind of go with, I mean, wasn't an investigation. And that's what I try and get the public in on. But trying to sort through all this documentation, there's always someone that has some new information that came out or something like that. I mean, there's people out there that are saying that Jack Ruby didn't kill Oswald. <laughs> yeah, I <like>, know. <laughs> See, yeah. that's disinformation. That's put out by people that want to uh, turn it into a circus. You know, the ridiculous stories like that, that that wasn't Ruby, that uh, the guy in the car shot, uh, the Secret Service agent shot him. There's even one that Jackie shot. Him. <laughs> yeah, I don't you believe those. You believe that? I mean, it's crazy. It's insane. But a lot of that is on purpose disinformation. It's They're putting it out there to make make researchers look silly. Uh, you know, and people will jump on it, you know, well, that is very real because when you look at the slandering of names and that happens today as well to certain people that aren't against or against official narrative, even Robert Kennedy announcing his uh, election and everything, which in my opinion, I don't think it's a possibility. I just I'm too into the deep state to think that they would ever allow that guy. And I think he'd be great. I, he's going to have my vote. But it's just that aspect of like, yo, he's gonna, he's already talking about going into the COVID stuff and then going into the JFK stuff. I'm like, bro, you're hitting every single thing you're not supposed to talk about ever. <laughs> That's right. Um, That's right. But even uh, the, the article the Daily Beast wrote about him and a bunch of other articles that came out about him just called him, labeled him anti-vaxxer, runs for president. Where I'm just like, it's the slander part. I mean, they did the same thing to, uh, uh Wilson or Hughes, the guy who saw jack ruby in traficante's prison they called that guy an unreliable reporter and everything i was like then why'd you have him on your staff for so long yeah yeah that that guy's in the, in that book too uh in the uh scorsani book is it, it hudson hudson's his name yeah um H hudson wilson or wilson hudson or something like that and that's an interesting guy too but he saw Jack Ruby there in talking to Traficante in the yeah. Cub Cuban prison. And I do believe that. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. And there was another guy there besides him that said the same thing. Another prisoner who was uh, with Traficante in the prison. And and Marino, uh, Martino was there. Um, you know, John Martino is... Heard the name? He's He was uh, kind of... a mafioso uh, guy that was involved with uh, he's one of the people that said Kennedy was going to die on the 22nd he told us he had kept his son home from school to watch it on TV <laughs> he knew it was coming because he was affiliated with mafia uh, and Traficante in, in particular and he was put in prison by Castro he was involved with the casinos in uh in drugs in uh, in cuba before castro took over and he imprisoned a lot of those guys and martino was one martino on his deathbed told that they killed him you know that, that the mob was involved in the killing 
So, I mean, we had a lot of deathbed confessions, but the, the, the media doesn't print it. I mean, here's how, you know, there's um, Howard Hunt, you know, he's on his deathbed. He tells his son, you know, that they killed Kennedy, you know, that the Lyndon Johnson wasn't behind it and uh, uh, McCord, and I'm not McCord, uh, uh, Mary Meyer. Cord Meyer was uh, involved in, and wait, Mary P Mary Pinocchio, whatever middle name is Meyer. Pinocchio Mary Meyer, Mary uh, Pinchot. Yeah, that's her middle name. Pinchot Meyer. She was married to Cord Meyer. She was having an affair with JFK, and she was murdered. And I think Angleton was behind that too. Is that Doctor Mary Sherman? No. Who's the lady that died by like half her body was burned up? And that was official... Mary Sherman. Yeah, her that official was autopsy. That was, was in New or New Orleans. Her official autopsy said knife wound to the heart. Yeah, Mary Meyer was a girl, a, a mistress of Kennedy. She was separated from Cord Meyer, who was very high up in the CIA, and she lived in Georgetown. And her sister was married to uh, the guy from the Washington Post. Uh, the head of the head guy, uh, the Washington Post, and they all lived in this Georgetown. The Kennedys lived there sometimes, and the Myers and all these people. And after she died, she was on a bike trail. She was walking. So her a, a, every day she walked on this bike on this not bike trail it was a uh, along a river. It was. Um, you said after she died. After she died, she was killed. Somebody shot her. Okay. On that trail, uh, a man oh. shot her. And they arrested a black guy. And uh, he had a black lawyer, a woman that was really good. And she got him off. And there's a book, good book about it, uh, about that. Uh, a guy named uh, Jansen wrote it. And his father was in the CIA. And he knew Mary Meyer when he was a child. She, took, she uh, was a neighbor. And he knew her. And he thinks that uh, Angleton had her killed. Anyway, she had a diary. And in it, I guess JFK was telling her stuff in bed. And they even took uh, marijuana to get her. No, LSD. They took Jesus. They, she was a friend of, uh, and she dealt with. Uh, you said marijuana. I was like, that's not bad. Why are you whispering? Well, they did that. No, no. I mean, LSD. Uh, she was friends with that. LSD guru, uh, and he got her some. And Timothy Leary, yeah, she was Holy friends with Tim. Shit. She was friends with Timothy Leary, and he got her some LSD. And her and Kennedy did it in bed. They took some. He just wanted to see what it was like. You know, he was experimental. He he liked to experiment. And so Angleton broke into her. She was an artist, and he broke into her studio and took her diary. Just like he broke in, just like he went to uh, Win, Win Scott's wife and took his all his papers. Isn't there a theory that he that he also took uh, Dorothy Kilgallen's diary? That could be, and nobody knows who took hers, but it disappeared. I think more likely it was FBI that took hers. But anyway, is he protecting nation's secrets by like just protecting the credibility of the president by doing that, or is he taking the fact that he's covering up the information that he's afraid that they might leak out? He's covering up. She had come to the conclusion that the CIA killed Kennedy. 
right after the Warren report. She was killed right after the Warren report came out, like the next week. And she had told people that she 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 knew what was going on. And Cord Meyer, then when she was killed, Cord Meyer told somebody the same people killed her that killed JFK. Cord Meyer told it to a friend of his. So he knew it. But uh this that's a good book you should read. Uh I can't remember the title, but it's about it, the guy's name is Jansen, I think, and it it's about Mary. Mary's Mary's monkey. No, <laughs> not Mary's monkey. You know that book, right? Mary's Mary's mosaic. Okay, I've heard I've heard that name before. Is that Peter Janney's book? Yeah, Janney, not Jansen. I said Jansen. I invited him on. And I'm having to... trouble. I had some oral surgery. I don't know if you noticed my talking is. It's funny. It's, I think you're doing I, good. I, it's swollen. <laughs> it's hard to talk. Well, you look fantastic. Oh, thank uh, you. <laughs> when it comes to areas you would stay out of when it comes to the assassination, what do you think are giant kind of like just endless pits to not even go near? Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> for one. Um, Which is crazy because that's like the biggest thing that everyone my generation knows about Kennedy. It's too sensational. I am not look. I know I was interested in that in the beginning, but I had someone like when I brought the JFK thing, someone goes, "Oh, did you know like the Marilyn Monroe stuff?" And I just like looked at him. I go, "Look, just keep that to yourself, but don't even say it." Yeah, um, it's all um, the problem is it's just it's just going to be blown up because Marilyn Monroe was Marilyn Monroe. She was bigger than life, and no matter what, you know writers are going to put in to make it a story you know even uh there's a good re the researcher that shaw the guy that wrote the book about gil kill gallon don't bring up his name around me mm -hmm. you don't um, like him no why I'm not gonna say it on air <laughs> okay anyway he wrote a book about Marilyn and dorothy you know and uh, he thinks bobby kennedy you know that are killed or something. This is all outrageous. Nobody knows what happened for, for real, you know. And when you start getting into that stuff, it's, uh, it's it's like UFOs. It's it's crazy. There's a real double standard when it comes to protecting people's credibility that these agencies are kind of, I guess, doing. And a lot of aspects of covering up things, they're protecting either a scandal or they're protecting something like that. But then you have the opposite end where the agencies are also targeting people and literally character assassinating them by saying this person's a nut job, this person's unstable. There's which makes it really extremely difficult to try and get information out. But I mean, I'm sure there's probably a bunch of scandal stuff that they're covering up, which makes it look really bad on them for covering stuff up. But it's also, I mean, a scandal breaks about a president. That's your agencies. You pissed off your agencies. They're supposed to cover that up for you. So when you hear about documents, when you hear about this type of stuff, it's modern day problems we're still experiencing today, which is why it's so important. But you can look at the past. I mean, look at the number of Johnson scandals that were happening at the time. And then he gets elected president and they all dropped. I don't think Johnson did it, but I think you can start looking at how powerful your agencies are connected into the media and it tests the relationship of the media. I'm like, there's just simple stuff that the assassination without going into speculation can just prove that they're connected, the agencies are, into a lot of institutional things that we hold, I guess, as high authorities of information. Well, here's the thing. Everybody's human. 
And if you want to dig up something on someone, you can find it. There's something there. Very few people are saints and they've lived through them. They make mistakes and they add, you know, things. However, if you're if you're a Kennedy or a Marilyn Monroe or somebody like that, that's different. Nobody writes books about Johnson's affairs. Lyndon Johnson has many affairs or more than Oswald did. He was screwing all his secretaries. I got to write a book about it. I would write a book about it. It's unbelievable how, how many. They and, called and him the bull balls. One, the, the only one that wrote about it was his mistress of 20 some years, uh, 30 years. Um, she wrote about their life together and, and she had a child to him. And all this stuff, and nobody would know it except for that. And nobody, you know, Warren, that, Warren G. Harding, a boring president, had all these affairs, <laughs> but nobody writes about it. They don't care. But if your name's Kennedy, whoa! And and the simplest way when when somebody's getting close to the truth, or when they're 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 dangerous to to, especially agencies like the CIA, when they start getting close to the truth, the best way to get people to ignore them is to defame them to take away their credibility to to and that's what they tried to do to jim garrison and that's what they tried to do to cyril wecht uh, and they and they put all these fake charges i mean garrison had to go to court for supposedly taking bribes from the mafia and stuff and of course he was found innocent it wasn't true but by then oh jack garrison he's in with the mob uh cyril wecht was was taken to court over stuff, ridiculous charges. And he was innocent because he was telling the truth. He had seen the uh, autopsy photographs. He had seen Kennedy's brain, you know, or whatever. And so that he was dangerous. So they go in and they try to, oh, he's he's uh, taking money. He's He was uh, involved with women. He was uh, this, he was that. And that's what they do. And it's, it's who's really good at it now is uh, Trump. Trump, because as soon as somebody finds something they did, he attacks, his defense is always attack. And he attacks with the same things that he's doing. You know, uh, okay, uh, they found documents in my house. And then he attacks, them, you know, Biden had documents in his house. I mean, they, it's it's the best defense there is, is attack and try to defame and, 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 and find things yeah kennedy had affairs but what does that have to do with him being a president uh if he if he did the job if it hadn't been for him we'd all be dead the the missile crisis cost him his life in my mind that was the point one of the points where they decided to kill him did you not think it was weird that alan dulles went with kennedy over nixon in what the the debates the election he did? Yeah, Alan Dulles did. He went with Kennedy over that, and then when Kennedy was elected, he hired Hoover, and he hired Alan Dulles, which isn't that crazy. Those guys have been director for a very long time. If you get the directors to follow you, then the whole agency is well as well, too. Um, but Alan Dulles chose Kennedy over Nixon, and I'm just— I think he thought he could control Kennedy that's because what I he thought. was young. Nixon was—Nixon was—Nixon— all about we, would, him. we wouldn't have the history of Nixon that we do now if he would have beat Kennedy. 
he was paranoid and he didn't trust agencies like the CIA either. In fact, he bucked them quite a bit. So that's another reason for Watergate. But yeah, you're right. Um, but I think Dulles thought he could control Kennedy because Kennedy was young, you know, and inexperienced. And he thought he could pull the uh, Bay of Pigs off and get Kennedy to go along with it. You know, they had planned the Bay of Pigs. It was Nixon and that uh, was really behind that. And they planned this Bay of Pigs thing. Kennedy didn't like it, but he's a new young guy. And Dulles says, well, you know, we've studied this. It can't fail. And Eisenhower approved it, you know, you know, yeah. And Kennedy finally said, well, I guess so, but uh, we're not going to involve American troops. We're not going to make it look like we're doing this. It's got to be completely, and, and I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to send in American troops. And so he okayed it. And Dulles, Dulles knew it was going to fail. He knew that what, what would happen is the guys would be stranded on the beach and Kennedy would be forced to send in American support. He, that was his, he was convinced of that. And he didn't want to be there when the argument started, so he left town. But Kennedy didn't. They thought for sure that he, they knew the plan couldn't succeed. And they they knew that they thought that he, he they'd get him to acquiesce and send in support to save the, the troops. And he didn't. And that was the beginning of the end for him. <laughs> that and then the, the missile crisis where they wanted to invade Cuba and he didn't do it. And then he goes back door to Khrushchev to solve it the, the, and get us keep it. We'd all be dead now. I, I think if Johnson was president, if Reagan was president, if Ford was president, they'd have said they'd have gone along with uh, the military. And the military definitely wanted to attack. They wanted to bomb the missile bases, invade, and that would have been World War III. And Kennedy knew it. And it cost him his life, but we were alive because of him. And that's why, you know, it's scary, you know, just scary to think that how almost we had Nixon. He would have probably got it, too. That, that election was uh, amazing. But that's fate, I think. It, it, it was meant to be for a reason and I you know you can you can play it over and you can play it over a million times it's it just incredible and there's still so much there and so close we came to war um there was a submarine I think I told you about this and it had a nuclear missile and the captain wanted to launch and the commissar that was on the boat said no if, if he had if he had said yes They'd have launched this missile to uh, attack uh, one of our ships, and that would have been – it was a nuclear missile. It would have been World War III for sure. And somehow we <laughs> – and then he shot down that U-2 pilot over Cuba that, that Kennedy sent. And that could have been World War III, but they wanted to attack as soon as that was shot down, and Kennedy wouldn't let them. They knew he wasn't going to give them Vietnam. They knew he wasn't going to give him war. And he's going back to where, and then he's going to do peace talks with Castro. I mean, those are things they had to kill. The election was coming up, and they'd have had four more years of John Kennedy and eight years of Bobby Kennedy and eight years of Teddy. <laughs> they had they had to do it. And then when, when the RFK ran, it was the same thing. Oh, no, 
we're not going to have this again because he's going to reopen the assassination. He's going to get into all this stuff. So he had to go too. It's just uh, the 60s were an amazing time to live through. Um, I was in college at the early, most of the time in, in the 60s. And uh, the Kent State thing was going on. Martin Luther King was going on. It was just, but my generation was cared. I mean, that's why those kids at Kent State died. They cared about, they saw what was going on. They saw the evil and they saw uh, the unfairness to the uh, to the world and they tried to change. Today, they've got video games <laughs> and, uh, you know, cable Podcasts. TV and they podcast and, and the whole threat is that people will read and find out what you and i have found out that the research that we've done the books that we've read about the history of how it how this all came about they don't want them to know that and that, like that guy in florida they don't want kids to know the bad stuff they're just going to tell them santa claus stuff you know they're going to bar books burn books because that's uh Knowledge is is power. I uh, I've definitely from the Kennedy assassination picked up a large interest in the '60s and '70s. Uh, but a couple of researchers I was talking to about the whole RFK thing and all this, and I just tell them I was like, I'm a lot less pessimistic than you guys are. Very optimistic about things. I just think that when we want change or we want to talk about getting government, I just want a government accountability, or if anything, the bare minimum, just define your terms, please. Like just define national security for me. If we can define it, then I can make sure you don't just label everything national security. We can put it in a pile and we can talk about some real serious ethical concerns. But you know, I don't know. I'm I'm a pessimist when it comes to actually people defining things and being able to change it because we haven't done it in the past. There's been plenty of investigations and moments for it. I'm glad you're optimistic, but I'm not. I said pessimistic. That's not being oh, optimistic. Oh, pessimistic. I yeah. agree with you. I don't and think we're ever going to get change on the this. The reason is this. The country is divided and it's never going to heal. The civil war is not over. It's it just, uh, they should have let the South secede back in 1860s. And they want to do it now, let them go. Because the division in the country is so deep uh, that we cannot be, we're not the United States. We're the un-United States. Uh, we're not... Uh, uh, you know, pledge allegiance to the flag. We're not indivisible or divisible. <laughs> I, I just don't see hope unless you know there were two countries, because it, it's really two, two completely different uh, worlds that are living together. And I don't discussing. think you need all that. I just think you need to step away from the two-party system for a minute and realize that there's a severe government corruption that has no ideas of two-party systems yeah well we'll never have more than the two party. and the whole the whole point of the two-party system is to make you think you have a choice yeah <laughs> and that's it's it's an illusion uh you don't really have a choice i mean they pick the people that are going to run and they come from yale or you know they're part of the uh of the uh this this counterculture, this secret culture, the bushes and the, and the, and the and those people. 
they pick the who's going to run. You don't, you know, okay, hey, guess what? You have a choice. You can get this guy or this guy. It's not a choice. You just think you have a choice. The illusion of choice. I voted for Bobby Kennedy in the primaries in 68. My first vote, I was um, 20, 21, 22. I just finally could, I got the vote and I went and voted for Bobby Kennedy. And then, of course, he was assassinated. And, uh, you know, and so then every election since then, I have voted against somebody. In other words, I haven't voted. If I voted for somebody, it wasn't because I wanted like them or wanted them to be president. It's because the other guy was worse. I always voted for the lesser of two evils in every election since then. That's the only election that I voted for the guy I thought would be the best for the job. <laughs> then it was either, you know, Nixon or this guy, or, you know, this guy or this guy. And that that's sad, you know, to me. Or just vote independent. It doesn't always have to be lesser of two evils. Yeah. Yeah, but then I did that. I, I even wrote in somebody one time. Because I hated both of the guys. <laughs> and that's a waste of your vote. I voted for... A, 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 that's what I hate. I hate that. Because that's like my family's all voted mostly. Well, at least the people I respect in it have voted independent. Which to me is like, yeah, why don't you just... That, yeah, well, not... I mean, I understand it, it, that was my thinking. I'm voting for who I want. And that's my right. And that's wonderful. He's an independent candidate. And I think he's great. But there's no chance in hell he's going to win. That's why you should vote him is the fact that everyone says that response, that there's no way in hell. I was like, well, if everybody does it, then what's going to happen? If everybody goes, I voted this person, you're going to have a bunch of dead people voting for whoever they're going to pick anyway. So I just go, at that point, you should question that notion. Why don't we question more of these things? Morally, it's right. It's the right thing to do. But you're not affecting the election in any way. <clears throat> That's all. It's not an answer to me. It's, okay. the, it's literally it's legit. I understand the whole point of like it's not that voting independence like wasting your vote, but I'm like we should challenge that notion of why is it wasting a vote? Why do we have that and answer? There's no that? way a third party could compete financially with the powers that you can back them in a fundraiser if everybody in the world or United States does it. it takes millions and millions of dollars to uh, get a candidate elected you know it only takes one dollar from every american yeah but uh, when you got half of them the other think different from you you're not gonna get it <laughs> i just want to challenge the system a little bit like i feel like nobody else is noticing it but me but we're a society that wants to care about social problems but we're also in a capitalistic system right now and it's it, it's, it's been running that way for good reason for a while but the bad part is it's not spreading the equality aspects of the money to the people that are living in this country. It's getting harder for us, and the elites are getting richer. So challenge the basic notions. There's a bunch of things out there that don't make sense, but we just continue to abide by them. I'm not saying tear up the system or anything. Federal just, Reserve. But there's like <laughs> we all know something that, in our opinion, does not work. So if we just kind of look at stuff and we start questioning things more, but we've lost the aspect of questioning. Why can't we just choose a third party? I think never the main. Win. I think the main problem, from my point of view, is lobbies. What we've got is we've got bribery, legal bribery. Uh, 
powerful people, organizations like NRA, can buy can buy congressmen and get them to vote the way they want. And uh, if you try to bribe a congressman, you go to jail. He goes to jail. But if a if a lobbyist does it, it's the same thing, but it's legal. In other words, I'll I'll give you I'll I'll buy you a car. I'll get you a beachfront lawn if you if you uh, support uh, whatever lobby I'm from. You know, if you support our it's bribery. It's legal. It's bribery. And so how are you going to get – all right, let's say take, for example, gun legislation. No, I get lobbying. I know what lobbying is. I understand that. The completely. gun legislation. Congressmen are not going to pass any bill, hardly any bill. They might pass some small ones because they're supported by the you know these lobbies like the NRA has got tons of money. And, and if they do don't support them, they'll get their people – to not Again, vote for them. You know? Where my pessimism comes in is the fact that this happened with Hollywood back in the day, and it's probably still happening in some aspects. I mean, the government can still influence movies today with equipment and tech battleship, you know, those types of things. The naval uh, ships that they had, Top Gun was a good example that came out, and everyone found out that the government was influencing movies. Like, there's a lot of things that we need to separate from our government and separate from things for a good reason is that it influences not only us, but our kids. Yeah. So you just get into that. Like, that's all my whole point is. It's like if we can start defining terms, if you had another church committee to expose things, there's things that we would not care about. Wiretapping, bro. We have all have cell phones in our pockets. They're going to do that anyway. We've accepted that. It's normal now. But there's real things like academic influence on campuses, influence into research studies that the CIA can do and other government capitalistic systems can do as well, too. That's like my whole thing is like there's like a real clear out we need to do about some serious ethical concerns. And I think that would help us get at least a little bit better on the right track. But the sad thing is it's very profitable and asking someone to give up that profit is you know a big deal so yeah i think you have to force that you'd have to do a clear out of some real government institutions and other things as well too and cut off some bad uh bad buds but i i'm like i said when you ask someone who's going to do that everyone's got incentive the right and the left have an incentive to get what they want across the right thinks that the agenda has been hijacked by the left the left thinks their agenda is being uh pushed down by the right and it's like i mean standing from an impartial view on both sides it's a little bit of both uh, I see the right gets, uh, I guess, labeled a certain direction, and the left gets a little bit coverage more on media in my aspect of things. I've noticed that the left, Anderson Cooper and all these big names, they usually are sprouting pretty progressive stuff, which is fine. I don't really care. But it starts to be like you're all pointing fingers at each other, and it's like that's not the purpose here. You got to turn those fingers a little bit outer and realize that it's the giant system, the people that are at the heads of those, that – you never see on TV. I'm not saying it's Illuminati stuff, but my idea of an Illuminati would be like our agencies. They're, they have so much power, and I can't tell you what half of them do. What Just ask them the basic question, what do you do? And they'll say, well, we're Federal Bureau of Investigation. We investigate problems that happen domestically. I'm like, but what is that? Define that, please. Because if you're paying, like I think it was, what, just – Last year, I think they paid over a total of like $180 million from like the past five years or six years or something like that that we found out last year for FBI informants. 
what are you doing? <laughs> like, that's what I want to know is what are you what are you invading that you think is a domestic terroristic problem? And what are you defining as domestic terrorism? Because anything me saying that we need to talk about the you know deep state and all this could be domestic terrorism. The way that you view it as a danger to your business financial interests or anything could be a threat to you. Anybody can take anything as a threat, much like we can sue anybody. So I'm not like trying to like ask for a whole lot, but asking, you know, these agencies and other things that we have in our government that just have acronyms and you ask someone what they do, they don't know what they do. There's other like 16 something agencies that I have don't even know the acronyms for. I just know the DOD, the CIA, the FBI, and the NSA, but I couldn't tell you what the other ones are doing. I don't even know what their job is. Yeah. Yeah, well, who you know, Hoover started that. He was they had uh, they had more FBI informants in the American Communist Party than there were Communist Party members. And they were paying they were My the Communist Party dollars. was the, the Communist Party was surviving on money that the the, C, the FBI was donating membership fees. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't have existed probably, but Hoover was obsessed with it. And so it's one man has too much power. It was Hoover, you know, but we need to do other things that when, when Reagan took out that fairness doctrine, and now things like Fox news are happening and they can go on TV and lie. And as long as, and people believe it. that's, what's dividing the country more than anything. You know, we need fairness doctrine. We need, okay. You can say stuff. If, if you have proof, you can't just go out and, you know, you and can't say anything you want. You can't, take out free speech you really can't and them creating a disinformation board knowingly lie <laughs> well, it, it, that's the thing is who who everyone knowingly lies both media outlets do fox news but does, they're saying does. that it's truth uh, there's there's everyone saying... does that though and they get out of the lawsuits by calling themselves entertainment the same classification as wwe i mean what we talk about COVID information if we talk about any information you label something misinformation, and half of that stuff that was labeled misinformation is now being used by the CDC or WHO. Well, what's the difference between that and Pravda? Explain. It's propaganda. It's all propaganda. Everything is propaganda. Everyone's got some type of inner message or something that they're trying to send out there or display their perspective and viewpoint. And I mean, I'm, we all do it at times. It's an, a human trait and things of like this. But limiting of speech and censorship is my biggest issue because you can't do that. The only way to find out who's got the truth is by having the conversation and talking they're about they're it. They're doing it in Florida. With what? With books. And with wow. what can what can be taught in schools and what can't be taught in they, schools. I think they're doing that kind of everywhere, isn't it? Oh, it's really worse there. Then they throw it's out a bunch of Tom turn, Sawyer books. Turning too. into a fascist state down there. I mean, they can't, you know, black history's gone. And, uh, you know, next it'll be the Holocaust didn't happen. So well, that's, war that's I don't think that's a the United States problem. I think that's a gov that's a governor problem. <laughs> yeah, well, get, that is. You got to fix DeSantis, that guy. DeSantis is is. The next fascist. I mean, he's he's worse than anybody. What he's doing to that state. It's... I've been stuck in the 60s and 70s. I can't help you there. <laughs> I haven't checked any modern stuff out for a while. Yeah. Well, the 60s is a good place. There was more history in that decade. Then there's just so much that counterculture revolution or movement that was going on had so many aspects to it. And it's interesting. The people I've interviewed on it or just conversated with. They always say like 
you know, in hindsight, looking back on it, we did some wrong too, and they did some wrong. And it was like just looking at it from both those perspectives is just so interesting because you can see them as a threat or you can see them as a fix. It just how are they going about their actions of doing so? I mean, it was just a crazy error to be. I mean, I would, the big like a time machine. <clears throat> big thing about what caused all that was the Cold War, I think, and um, it comes out of. Uh, When the war was was winding down and we thought that the Russians were going to, communism was going to take over Europe and, uh, you know, domino effect all over the world. It was such a paranoia with intelligence agencies and with British and uh, America in particular. And they, Dulles was in that up to his neck. He, the OSS, Donovan and them guys were into that. They said, okay, we've got Germany licked, but Soviet Union is, is a real danger now. It's a real threat. So they left behind this, left, uh, Dulles' left behind army, the Gladio program. They had Gladio. And they kept these this underground army in Europe <clears throat> to stop the Russians if they invaded or whatever. And started out, they started out sabotage and, you know, this and that. And that, then it escalated. It started in, in Italy when the, the Communist Party in Italy got very strong after the war. And so the CIA set up a program in, in Italy where they were actually, they took these Gladio program and turned it into terrorism and assassination. And they were killing leaders from the, Demo the uh, communist parties and blowing things up and doing and getting and fixing elections to get uh, the right wing uh, parties in. And that's why that's one of the things that uh, um, Harvey, Bill Harvey was sent to Rome and he was involved in that. And that they had to finance that army and they didn't know how to finance it. And they came up with uh, what Chiang Kai-shek was doing in China, which was drugs. They were using opium and stuff to finance military uh, operations. So they came up with this program to, uh, and they got involved with the mafia. They got involved with Trafficani and all these guys, and they started to import drugs into the United States, <laughs> and they sent them to Harlem. And their thinking was, uh, well, white white middle class America won't get into this into heroin and and that stuff. We sent the blacks will do it. So they they sold it on the streets cheap, and they got yeah. all these addicts addicts in uh, Harlem, and particularly the jazz musicians. Uh, you know, like Billy Holiday and uh, yeah, those guys. They got they get them all hooked on drugs, and now that drug problem has expanded all over the the country and the world. And that's how they financed all these covert operations. Well, that led to everything that happened after that. It led to the to uh, the McCarthy era and communists, uh, you know, uh, under every bedpost. And th then anything became fair to stop it. They saw this communist under the bed. They were everywhere in the country. They were in the government. They were in big business. They were in the military. And we had to stop it, you know, and and we used uh, 
any means possible, including assassination. So they saw Kennedy pretty much as friendly to communism. He was uh, he was helping them. He was, you know, yeah. I've done a couple dangerous. episodes on the drug stuff before. But... Yeah, but that's you know that Gary Webb ex was going to expose this, and he was killed. You know, he was exposing that the CIA was. Well, that's what Iran Contra was about. We were sending weapons over there and bringing back drugs from Vietnam. They hooked our soldiers on it in, in Vietnam. Well, before we start going into a bunch of different stuff, and that's a lot for one episode, but no, Gary, I'll have you back on to talk about that a little bit. So I got some people we could do a panel about about that. Um, but where can people find your links, Gary? You've given me enough of your time, and you always, I always enjoy talking with you. Yeah. I, uh, it's my website's theotheroswald.com, all one word. Uh, and it's mostly about Webster, but there's a little bit of everything up there. And I have some essays that I wrote on different areas of the assassination. Uh, and I'm working on another thing now, another book. I'm, I'm in the research stage, but uh, it's still that far back. But I'm using a lot of this new new materials that are coming out. That are, Every time we get a load of these, we get a couple pieces yeah. to the puzzle. You know, you see that. And the, you have to have proof for stuff. You can't just assume this happened and that happened and this happened because we weren't there and we didn't see it. And we need to. Uh, and the best proof is those documents, you know, what, what that are there. And so we need to get them all released. And uh, I have to give you praise for your efforts in uh, out of the blank. I think it's great. I think you. You've done a lot for the research community and give people a chance to go and see different points of view on different subjects, all related to the to this area of the Cold War. And uh, I just uh, for your age, you're amazing. <laughs> I, you. I really I really think that. I mean, I, I'm so impressed. When I first when you first asked me, I know, who is this guy? Who's this young kid? What's he know? I spent 50 years researching this stuff and it's young kids and i'm just amazed at how much you know and how much you've learned and how fast you learn and uh you give me new hope for this generation because i you know thought nobody cares anymore you know they're think, they're preoccupying them with other things like video games and all that i think they'll i think they'll a lot of people that i know that are my age that listen to this and listen to a lot of my jfk episodes they've Definitely had questions, you know, people I even work with that'll ask me questions. What about this and this and this? It's, I don't have all the answers, and I don't think everyone has any answers a whole lot to everything. But it just goes into – you're able to piece with very simple stuff that there is something fishy going on here. And with that stamina or that momentum, we can go a little bit more forward into getting the public in on this discussion, which I think is highly important. I mean despite whoever you think did it. Let's just focus on the things that we can prove with evidence and documentation that they have admitted to and showing the public they have said this themselves, that this wasn't done right and this wasn't done right. So once they can see that, then they can get on board and we can hopefully get some answers out. But you're right. You're right. Thinking. I, not, no one knows everything about it. No one has the solution. And when when somebody says they do, then you you should be wary. But everybody can contribute something. And uh, people like Jefferson Morley, I think, are really making a difference. He's he's uh, 
I, I respect him as a researcher as he's he's doing lawsuits and things to get information that we need to get and not many people do that and that's that's good but everyone can contribute something now my contribute my contribution is probably robert webster because no one up to this point had really spent much time and getting into his you know his, what, what happened with him and i only did that because i found out he lived 20 40 miles from me you know and that i could that just made it interesting i got to know more about this guy and it led to a lot of stuff that uh the research community didn't have now they have a source where they can go and find out about who robert webster was you know and so that was my contribution somebody else contributed larry hancock's contributed a lot about uh, the cuban thing and uh, and various different things and bill Sempich has contributed a lot because he's involved with the documents he's a document lawyer <laughs> and he's he he's constantly sending me documents and stuff that i'm amazed he gets <laughs> but uh yeah i mean we all have to work together instead of fighting each other it's the division thing again we got to be and that's what i kind of hate is how researchers tend to fight uh, and take different sides instead of working together and saying all right well this is let's let's find out what this you know this is true or not or that's true or not you know and go from there and we need to do that we need to work together because there's too many too much junk out there people like james files for instance you know i don't believe him at all and he's writing books and saying he shot kennedy and, uh, and people believe it you know i don't i don't believe it but there's a lot of that stuff there's a lot of books like that you know we need to quit that and find out what's true and go from there that's it i agree and i'm gonna link all your links in the description larry uh, not larry gary you said larry and i got the names <laughs> mixed up it would have been even worse if we got another panel together i would have been calling you guys left <laughs> and right but uh we have to I'm get a... people that people with names like larry gary mary you know, get a whole bunch of them. I had both Gary Shoner and Gary uh, <laughs> Severson on, and I was like, oh, "I've got. I don't even don't even know if I'm saying you the names." Gary properly. Sean, Gary Mac. <laughs> but I'll link all your links in the description, Gary. It's been a pleasure chatting with you, and thanks everybody for listening to this episode of Out of the Blank Podcast.